Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, how do we say it, family? We live. Amen. Remain standing. Matthew 7. I want to look at today. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. I really want to lift a verse from this, but I need to put it in the context. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. And I'm reading for the New Revised Standard Version. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can bad, a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful on today. We've had enough difficult days to know when we ought to celebrate the good ones. Thank you for a sense of calm today. Thank you for a sense of peace today. Thank you, God, that when we woke up, we woke up on today, oh God. Thank you. Now, O oh God, in this space that is your sanctuary where we have been worshiping, continue to allow your spirit to fill it. That we might continue to move in accordance and in alignment with your spirit. When we do that, O oh God, here's what we know, that glory will always be the outcome. And even when we don't, God, because of who you are, glory will still be the outcome. So thank you, O oh God, for breaking into those spaces where we would rather hide and rescuing us and redeeming us. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. I want to lift part of verse 16 and 20. Here's what that part of 16 says, the first part. You will know them by their fruit. Verse 20, thus you will know them by their fruits. Amen. Do me a favor today. Turn to your neighbor and just simply tell him, neighbor, believe your fruit. Come on, turn to the other neighbor. Tell them the same thing. Na neighbor, believe your fruit. Now put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you take your seat. I will seek to be brief today. Believe your fruit. Believe your 
fruit. I, I know the passage here speaks of false prophets and it speaks about knowing prophets not by the words they speak, but by the fruit they bear. And the truth is there are many people who claim to be moving in accordance with God's, di well, God's directives and desires for us. But we can say anything. You don't measure actually who we are by just what we say. It is whether or not our words are in alignment with our actions. This is the heart of what Jesus is saying. He's warning the disciples and those who are listening that there will be people among you who will try to convince you of all manner of things, especially those things that are connected to God. He said, but don't measure them on what they say. You will know them by their fruit. Good trees Jesus says, will bear good fruit. Bad trees will bear bad fruit. Bad trees cannot bear good fruit and vice versa. It's quite simple when you think about it. It means that you must actually pay attention to the actions of people and not just their words. Because again, we can say anything. And truthfully, all of us in here at one period or another in our lives have been guilty of not having our words line up with our actions our words line up with our behavior. Anybody here can be honest enough to say that this morning, that there have been those moments in your life where you know for a fact that your words have not always lined up with your actions, that in some ways and on some moments, your words have betrayed your actions and your actions have betrayed your words. But I don't want to focus on that this morning. I want to shift from looking at the false prophets whose words betray their actions to something that may be quite prevalent among us. Some people in psychological circles call it the imposter syndrome. I want to look at that this morning very briefly. The imposter syndrome is really in a nutshell like this, that there are many of us who have feelings of inadequacy, who actually have rabid and rapid thoughts of self-doubt, who often don't always believe in ourselves or see the best in ourselves, and we think somehow that the things that happen in our lives that could be considered good are only because of either luck or pure grace. We downplay our significance, undermine our best aspirations, and really diminish our character, how we show up, because we don't believe in ourselves. The problem with the imposter syndrome is that although many of us, again, have experienced it in our lifetime, and even right now as I speak, many of us are experiencing it, and if I'm going to be transparent and honest, yeah, I'm in recovery. Because sometimes people have a tendency to see your success and not know the thoughts that are going through your mind that in many ways can actually, well, not always hinder what you do, but it can damage your disposition. I mentioned, I think, last week that sometimes there are those of us who, who get uneasy with compliments and who get uncomfortable with praise, not because of humility, which is a wonderful thing, but because we don't believe the praise, because we don't believe when people acknowledge us. We actually start believing that there's a conspiracy to cause us to be delusional. That we think that every time someone says something good or someone says something profound or positive about us, that maybe they're in on the conspiracy as well. 
that somehow when they say those things again, because we have a hard time of seeing it and really owning it, we don't see what's significant about who we are. Is anybody here this morning who knows exactly what that feels like? If you don't know what that imposter syndrome is, God bless you. I thank God for you. But I'm talking to those of us in here today who often downplay our own dignity and our own divinity. And somehow we don't think we are worthy of the recognition or when people see how gifted or how talented or the ability you have and we simply downplay it again, not because of humility, because humility stops you from being lost in the praise. But we do so because of self-doubt and feelings of unworthiness and feelings of inadequacy and all of the insecurities that run wild in our spirits. And here's the problem. Those insecurities and that self-doubt creates a space of misery in our minds where we never uh, have a hard time celebrating who we are. You see, if you've been paying attention to social media, you know that today we're beginning a series on the secret of celebrating you. And what makes it so hard to celebrate ourselves sometimes is the imposter syndrome. We're not able to celebrate ourselves and feel good about ourselves. And I don't speak now from hearsay. I speak from experience. When no matter how much good you do, you always talk yourself out of the good and always tell yourself that the good is not good enough. You always add more qualifiers to why you ought to do more. No matter, again, how much praise, how much recognition. You keep saying, yeah, okay, that's good, but I got to do better because what I did wasn't really good. And you start thinking that the people who pay you compliments are doing it for you or saying these things to you because they're just being nice. Some of our most successful people that we know historically have been rife with insecurities. They have often not believed in themselves. Adam Grant makes this distinction. He says, there's some of us who have confidence with no competency. Let me shift that and help you understand. Those are the people who are on the opposite of what I'm talking about right now. Those are the people who live every day with this false bravado and this, this sense of arrogance. And, and they have confidence, but it ain't connected to their competency or their capacity. You know folk like this, you don't want to talk about it. You may be that person yourself. I don't know. You talk a good game. Everybody sees you that you're the pillar of confidence. But then here's the problem. Your actions don't line up with your language. And pretty soon we realize that you were trying to talk yourself out of a reality you refuse to embrace. And not only that, you try to talk yourself in such a way that you thought you could convince yourself the lies you told yourself. Right, let me give you a big word for that. That's called narcissism. When you really don't have the goods, but you love hearing yourself talk about you, and we got beaten ahead with that from 2016 to 2020. We saw that in full display. And here's the problem. Although you clap about that, the problem is the president at that time was not the cause of this culture of narcissism. He was a result of it. 
So just when you want to be critical and say he's a pathological narcissist and you're saying this while you every day looking at the phone, while you every day posting new pictures, while you every day telling everybody what you have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, while you every day consume with your own sense of self-worth, not because it's there. You're just confident with no competency. But then there's this group I started with who lives with the imposter syndrome. And, and Grant says they're competent, Beverly Hills, but with no confidence. They just don't see themselves as being worthy. Here it is, and, and here's the key. In spite of the evidence to the contrary, they won't believe. I mean, the evidence of their capacity and their competency is right in front of them, but they refuse to see it because all they see is the inadequacy. Why is this passage in Matthew important? Well, Jesus says you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And the truth is many people who live with the imposter syndrome have good fruit. They just rather believe the lie in their mind than the fruit in their face. They'd rather believe the stories and the whispers that they speak to themselves about how messed up they are or how bad they are or how much they don't know or what they can't do. I know I'm talking to somebody here today. That the narratives in their mind blur their vision from seeing their beauty. And they never fully embrace the totality of their giftedness because of the conversation that's going on in their head. I said it last week, more than a few of us in here are guilty of talking to ourselves. But not in a way that promotes confidence, but in a way that magnifies misery and we do it all the time and I got to talk to you because as someone who's in recovery because I was there I got to be honest about that because people again make assumptions about what they perceive as your success and they see your giftedness they see your ability and they actually believe that somehow you see yourself the way they see you and they wonder why in the world at times you seem so despondent so filled with anxiety even so depressed in spite of all that you do it's not again because of the fruit it's because of the conversation the conversation that's taking place in your head and so here's a few things i want to share today hopefully to help those of us who live with the imposter syndrome because the imposter syndrome is one of the things that prevents us from celebrating ourselves and not able to celebrate ourselves. Here's what I wrote, here's what Adam Grant says. He says, the imposter syndrome, although problematic, is not all bad. So here it is, what I perceive from this is that, that you have to, as we said last week, you have to change your perspective. You have to flip the way you see things. Because the truth is sometimes the imposter syndrome works in a way that actually helps. What do you mean? Because sometimes, sometimes, if you don't do it in a bad way, thinking that you haven't done enough is a thing that made you work a little harder. It drove you. I need you to hear this. Again, because there's some people whose confidence gives birth to complacency and don't work as hard. They don't give their best effort. They think all they have to do is show up. But sometimes those of us with the imposter syndrome, because we don't see ourselves fully, 
we do not grow complacent. We keep driving, we keep working until we believe the thing is done in such a way. I hope you get this. And so instead of necessarily saying this may be a bad thing, maybe, 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 maybe those of us with the imposter syndrome can flip the way we see ourselves and start saying this. It's not that I'm inadequate. Maybe my drive is just tenacious. I hope you get this today. Instead of saying something is wrong with me, maybe you flip that and just say, I'm so driven that sometimes I'm hard to please myself. Sometimes those of us with the imposter syndrome, again, here's the way we flip it. One, one, we remind ourselves that maybe we do work harder. And two, can I give you this? We not only work harder, we work smarter. No, you see, I'm going to work with you today. We work smart at times. Why? Because here it is. If we don't think that anything we do anyway sometimes will amount to much and no one is really paying attention in the first place, you know what we do? We actually sometimes are willing to take risks. We'll take more risks than everybody because we'll say this. Look, we got nothing to lose anyway, so we might as well try something different and see what happens. Again, sometimes, and I would need to hit you, sometimes success can breed the inability to continue to do the things that help make you successful because you don't want to fail. I know I'm talking to somebody today. Can I put it you this way? When you begin to experience a level of success in your life, you get now fearful. Watch this. You were driven to be successful. Then you became successful in whatever the endeavor was. I don't know what it is, whether it's big or small. You became successful. You achieved it. And then you started guarding the achievement, guarding the success in such a way that you grew fearful to do what it took to get you here in the first place because you don't want to fail. But hold on. You took a chance in the first place because you weren't worried about failing. And is that not worrying about failing the thing that enables you to be successful? So don't now get successful and all of a sudden start thinking, well, I can't take a chance no more. Can I tell you something? When you woke up this morning, put on your clothes and you got ready to leave your home, do you know you took a big risk? Because anything could have happened when you open up that front door. No, you're a risk taker. You just don't see it that way. Every day you make a decision not to crawl in a cave or a hole and stay buried there and live in that anxiety and depression and in spite of that make your way out, you are a risk taker today. And don't minimize what you've done. Can I also get this? Sometimes those of us who suffer from the uh, imposter syndrome are actually better learners. We learn more because we're paying attention more. See, I'm trying to help somebody today because I need you to flip how you see this. Instead of looking at it always as a negative, now learn how to look at it as a positive. You work harder. You're not afraid of risk. And you pause enough to learn by listening. You don't enter a room thinking that you know everything there is to know. You don't go into spaces thinking that everything must revolve around you. You come there in humility to learn and to grow. You're actually a good learner when sometimes you don't always see your significance. I know people who see their significance a little bit too much. And they will remind you how significant they are every chance they get. That's not necessarily confidence. Look, can I pause for a second? I always look with a slanted eye at people who always want to announce themselves, everything they do and everywhere they go. 
Look at me. See me. Always want to sit at the head table. Always want to get top billing. Always want to be recognized. Always want folks to bow down and submit to who they are. Always want people to genuflect in their presence. I'm nervous about those people because what is going on in your mind that you need so much external affirmation to feel good about who you are? Like, like what's going on? What's really happening? I, I see the facade and I see what you're trying to do. But now what's really going on with you that you need so much external affirmation? Oh, no, let me try it again. There's some people who can't actually have good relationships. And the only good relationships they can have are people who are subservient to them. You didn't catch that one. Yeah, there's some of those folks who the only way they can have a, a relationship in their mind that's genuine is when they have the upper hand. They got to be the one getting all the praise. They got to be the one getting all the recognition. They want to be in the tribe, but they want to make sure they're in the tribe where they're the only chief. They're those folk, too. It's a dangerous thing when every when you always want to be the chief, when you always want to be second center stage, when you always want to be seen, when you always want to be heard, when you always want to be known. That is a revelation that there's something in you so deeply damaging that the only way you think you can survive it is to create a myth about who you are. And a whole lot of us in here right now, we walk around with a mythological idea of who we are, that we need to reinforce the myth. How many myths have you created to make yourself feel better about you? Okay, that didn't work. Well, there's a whole lot of us in here. You may not be the myth maker, but you are the identity creator. In other words, you've created a multiple identities for you that compare to a narrative about you based on the space you're in. That, that's why some people talk about you in this space and they talk about you in that space and they talk about you in this space and they don't even know the person in that space or the person in this space and the person in this space don't know the person in that space and the person in this space don't know the person in that space because everywhere you go, you've created a new identity. So not that you can fit in, but that you can stand out. And you don't even care if you embellish a little bit. You don't get that? You lying. So, 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 but when you're someone who feels at times inadequate, I'm not saying you stay there, but it causes you to be a little bit more humble in ways. I don't want to walk in rooms and say, see me. Jesus said this, never go and want this best seat at the table. He said it's, it's better to be called up front than told to go back. We forget that. I've seen that. I seen it at an event one time. I seen some folks sitting in the table in a position they thought they were worthy of. Only when the folk who was really worthy showed up, they got that little tap. You mind moving because this really ain't where you need to be. Or those people who always want to start telling you who they are with their title. Oh, my God. I've never gone anywhere, and my family says, I've never gone anywhere telling them uh, I'm Reverend Michael Walrin. No, my mother not here today because of the marathon, but if my mother was here, she would tell you, don't believe me, trust her. On my birth certificate, it don't say Reverend Michael Walrin. On my birth certificate, it simply says Michael. But see, when you need that title to bolster your confidence, and you want people to honor your title first, no, I'm fine with it. I was somewhere one time and someone called me by my name and, and then the person, upon, oh, I'm sorry. I said, what you sorry for? That's my name. You could have called me a whole lot of other things I might have been upset about. 
Okay, I'm, I'm meddling right now. That's what the focus say. Well, here it is. Here you are with the imposter syndrome. And you now learn that it ain't that bad. But now here's how you help yourself through this. And then I'll be done. The first thing to really work on this imposter syndrome within yourself is to get off the island you've created in your mind. What does that mean? You actually think that you're the only one. That's what it does. You start thinking that no one else is like this but you. Watch this. You start believing other people's myths about themselves and start thinking that they're confident they got it all together. No! You are not the only one. Watch this. I'm going to see my honest folk this morning. Who in here can be honest enough to say that they have lived, experienced, and may be living right now with the imposter syndrome? Watch this. Now, everybody look around. Got a church full of folk in here. You not by yourself. There's a great cloud of witnesses in this sanctuary this morning who all know what it is to feel inadequate. So that's the first thing in order to deal with it. You're not by yourself. You do not walk this way alone. You are not the only one who feels this way about yourself. That there are other people who get overwhelmed by their insecurities and their self-doubt and their feelings of inadequacy. You're not the only one. You are not by yourself. That's one. Next thing you do, here you go, here you go. This going to help. Part of what enables the, the imposter syndrome in you is because you're a perfectionist. Ah, there's the culprit. In your head, you have to do it, what? Perfectly. How many of you do that? How many of you do it? Tell the truth. But here's the problem. If I ask you right now what perfect is, you can't give me a definition. Which means the thing that's driving you ain't even real. The thing that got you nauseated ain't even real. You busy saying, but it ain't perfect. Well, what's perfect? I don't know, but I know this ain't it. Uh-uh. You don't have to be perfect in life. In fact, we're part of this movement. Some people call it Christian. We're part of this movement that, well, we not, well, sometimes some people in the movement want to remind you how imperfect you are. I'm not of that crowd. But what I want to remind you of is that you are not perfect and your imperfection does not disqualify you from one thing. And you don't have to be perfect at everything. A friend of mine told me a long time ago, I know you want to get everything right. And he told me this because he saw it. He saw it. He saw my drive to be perfection. It was my coworker at Duke University when I, one of the uni when I was one of the university ministers. He was one of the religious life leaders. And he told this to me. He said, you don't have to get everything perfect because that perfection in your head actually causes you to be stagnant. You don't move forward because you don't think it's perfect. You don't try it. You don't go after it. You don't do it because you think you can't do it perfectly. And so you get stunted in your progress because you think you can't live up to this measure that you don't even know what it is, but it's in your head and you're trying to be what? Perfect. Now watch this. Here's the thing. He said, stop trying to be perfect. He said, one, you'll never achieve it. He said, but here's the other reason. Stop trying to be perfect. Every day you wake up, Michael, he said, leave a little room for grace. <laughs> See, if you leave some room for grace, you realize that there's no such thing as perfection. Can I be churchy for a second? and tell you what grace, leaving room for grace sound like? It's like when they see how much you've done in spite of not being perfect and they want to heap praise upon you, here's how you deal with this. This is how you show them some grace. Here it is. If it had not been for the Lord, 
on my side, I don't know where I would be. In other words, that little room for grace is the room where the grace combines with my praise to acknowledge that if it had not been God, The other reason why you don't have to be perfect is this. Because failure is okay. Look at somebody and tell them failure is okay. It's okay. I know some of us watch this. It's difficult. Let me pause. Because some of us grew up in, in abusive environments where, where failure was not okay. And it caused tremors and caused us to become traumatized by the abuse connected to imperfection. But I want to tell you the truth about that. If there's no such thing about imperfection, or rather no such thing as perfection, that means failure then has positive outcomes as well. Because watch this, without failure, you don't really understand growth. Failure and growth walk hand in hand. And that everything that's a perceived failure is really not a perceived failure. It's an opportunity to what? Grow. Oh, y'all know this too, huh? It's an opportunity to grow. So every time you fail, instead of beating yourself up, pause back up before you give yourself a hard time and then ask yourself this. In this moment, with this situation, how can I what? Grow. And if you start asking that question every time you think you messed up, every time you think you let somebody down, every time you think you fail, it would change. Instead of looking at what you think is a negative, you start trying to flip the negative into a positive and saying, how will I grow from this situation? So what do you do? Let me tell you what I do. I learn to take my failures in stride. You see how y'all, okay, thank you. Thank you for that one plan. I, Let me tell you why I know you missed it. I didn't say I've learned to take my failures in stillness. I've learned to take them, which means I keep it moving. Now you got it. There you go. There, there you go. Look at somebody and tell them, keep it moving. Yeah. Why? I ain't going to be defined by this letdown. I ain't going to be defined by this setback. I ain't going to be defined by this mistake. I ain't going to be defined by this perceived failure. I'm going to keep it moving. My grandmother said this. Every round goes higher and higher. Ain't no reason for me to be upset with myself. And it's the last piece and I'm done. I see the band starting to get ready. Realize, one, it's not just you. Two, don't make perfection a goal. And can I say this? This is the last thing. I'm done, and we're going to have communion, and then we're going to go. Although some of us had communion last night five times. Here it is. Look at your neighbor. Just tell them, neighbor, recognize your achievements. Come on, tell your other neighbor. Neighbor, recognize your achievements. Here's how we learn in Sunday school. We say, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Let's change the verse. Count your achievements and name them one by one. In other words, recognize how much you've done. Every now and again, pause and start writing down a list of the achievements that you've made. And they don't have to be great achievements. Can I tell you, I shared this story before many years ago when I was a minister at Duke University. I would take some of the students to a place in North Carolina, in Butner. It was a, 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 a home, a house, a facility for those who were severely disabled. 
mentally, physically, emotionally. I took them to this service not out of pity. I took them to these services every, on Sundays so they can understand no matter how high and mighty you think you are, that you have an obligation to be in solidarity and in relationship with those who may not have benefited the way you benefit. And I said this before, but it was this one Sunday, young man, he couldn't talk that good, and, and he clearly had some serious physical and emotional challenges. But when he came into that service that day, in the midst of the time for testimony, because I always left a moment to testify, and I would just leave it open. And that one day, he struggled, and his assistant, the, late, the nurse was helping him, and told me he wanted to say something. And I was in shock, because he had never really spoken, and every time he tried to, it was difficult. But on this day, when given the opportunity to talk about how good God was, <laughs> he manufactured the capacity to put some words together. It didn't come out all at once. It didn't come out fluidly, but it came out. And, and, and everybody was on edge at listening to him because he was making a valiant and vigilant effort to get out his testimony. I didn't know how long the testimony was going to be, but at, the longer he tried to work at it, the more attentive we became. And, and eventually he shared the testimony. And I won't say how he said it so it was not perceived as mockery, but I'm going to tell you what he said. He said this. Now, you can imagine he struggled for minutes to get this sentence out. But he said, I want to thank God today. Because this morning, I tied my own shoes. See? Th 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 there it is. When he said that, his body started reacting to the achievement. And here you are. You take for granted tying your shoe every day. No. You need a great big achievement to recognize. Can I get churchy? You woke up this morning. And you made your way down to this space. And you ought to be filled with celebration because a whole lot of folk didn't do that today. But you right here, name your achievement. Remind yourself of what you've done. And if you need something to push you, think about the last thing I said. Leave room for grace. God, today, I bless your name. Because today, you open doors. That's why I asked Tamisha to sing that song today. Lord, you are good. You've been so good. I can't thank you enough. I owe you my life because you've been so good. So many doors you've opened in so many ways you've made. You've been better than good to me. And is there anybody here today who can testify? That God has been better, better than good to you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, I need to let you know that the God I serve is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what you can ever think or imagine. And when I think of the goodness of the Lord and all that God has done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, believe your fruit. Believe your fruit. You should have been dead. Believe your fruit. You could have gave up a long time ago. Believe your fruit. You could have thrown in the towel last night. Believe your fruit. You made it.
and you're here to tell about it. And I thank God for it. Come on, everybody stand on your feet. Stand on your feet today. Stand on your feet. I know I, I took too much time, but here, here. Somebody need to be reminded of that today. I know how hard it is to get out of that syndrome. But my God, when you begin to think about all God has done in your life and, and what you've been able to do, enabled by God, you don't have to compare anything. Just sit in the beauty of what God has been doing. No need to downplay yourself. Don't talk yourself down when every day God is trying to pick you up. Uh-uh. God's been better than good, beloved. Better than good. Right where you are. I want to just see the hands. Those people, again, who wrestle, who wrestle with the imposter syndrome. Come on. Keep them up for a second. I want you to look around and see. But you're not by yourself today. Yeah, yeah, keep that going. So good. Remember that today. You don't have to be an imposter. Just be who God called you to be. Live the life you are created to live. Can I tell you? You don't have to be perfect. Just be true. Be real. Be real. Be authentic. Be genuine. Because the world right now is craving authenticity. We got enough pretenders and people who put on disguises. We need authenticity. People who can be real with themselves and real in the world and show up and model that. Your authenticity is really your superpower. It's how you change the world day by day by showing up and being honest with yourself about yourself. So come on, beloved, let's just pray. And I want to say a special prayer for those who wrestle with the imposter syndrome today. God, thank you. Somebody needed this reminder today. Sometimes, God, we're so hard on ourselves that we don't leave room to recognize your grace. Sometimes, oh God, we are filled with so much self-doubt or insecurities. And we keep repeating that narrative in our heads that we're not good enough or we're not worthy enough or we're not smart enough or we're not. And we never pause to name our achievements. When we start naming our achievements, we start realizing how extraordinary we really are. So every now and again, oh, God, it's good to pause and remind yourself of what you've been able to do. Sometimes against the odds. And you still did it. You still did it. Sometimes surprising yourself. And you still did it. You still did it. Sometimes blowing your own mind. And you still did it. You still did it. So, God. We come now recognizing that to play small in a universe that needs us is a waste of time. Because somebody yet unborn is depending on our confidence right now. So God, we will let our competency 
be in alignment with our confidence. We'll start believing in ourselves. We'll start believing how amazing and unstoppable we really are. And most of all, oh God, here's the key. We will begin the beautiful art of celebrating ourselves and not let the imposter syndrome take root in our lives. God, thank you for this today because we needed it. Some of us needed it, oh God. So thank you again. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say amen. 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 Come on, give somebody a fist pump. Whatever. I'm so glad. So glad to be here with you today. Amen. Listen, take your seat for a second. We're getting out of here shortly. But for all these, time, all these months we've been back in the building, we've been doing our communal communion. But today we're going to have communion the way we've had it. Because I want us to do that in-house today in fellowship together. Amen. This moment of communion is about sharing and fellowship. We can fellowship anywhere. I know that. But today I just wanted to be different. I wanted to be able to fellowship in this sanctuary. It's been a long time since we've been able to do communion in this sanctuary. And we want everybody to be safe. We want everybody to be cautious. But I want us to take this moment in right now. The scripture says that on that evening when Jesus knew he would be offered up, that he turned the Passover meal into something they could not imagine. He took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you partake of it and in it, he said, do it in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup of wine, he blessed it and gave thanks. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. His sacrifice is the seal of the covenant we have with God. No longer are we viewed as children in exile in spite of our imperfection. We are all the beloved of God. God's spirit rests on us. And in us, God finds favor. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you for this communion moment. Thank you for this love feast. Thank you for this time of agape, oh God. We were reminded of the unconditional love you have for us and the unconditional love we ought to have for one another. So, God, we ask that you use this moment to remind us of our uniqueness, but also remind us of the mission to be love revolutionaries, oh God, and to make that kingdom manifest right here. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.